chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... 32 started, 16 qualified for the Stanley Cup playoffs, 8 advanced after the first round, and now we are down to 6 teams in contention for the 2022 Stanley Cup. The Calgary Flames, the latest to be eliminated, which means Edmonton and Tampa Bay are through to the conference finals. We'll see who joins them, whether it's Colorado or St. Louis in this great second-round series, uh, final for the Central Division, or Carolina and the New York Rangers. Uh, the biggest surprise out of anybody, all of this, would probably be St. Louis upsetting Colorado and last night's dismissal of the Calgary Flames by the Edmonton Oilers. But would a Rangers appearance from the start of the year to getting into the third round also be in the mix of that? Yeah, I mean, it would be surprising if the Rangers get through the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't think that a lot of people thought the step the Rangers would take would be a step that led them to the Eastern Conference Final. But when you have a goaltender in Igor Shesterkin and when you are well-coached and you're finding ways to win, anything can happen. And is given the, the, the way the Carolina Hurricanes this postseason have been incapable of winning on the road and nearly unbeatable at home. Um, the Rangers give themselves a chance. They still have a chance, even though they're down in the series. They still have a chance to get to the conference final. We had a couple of games uh, last night. The Carolina Hurricanes taking a 3-2 series lead over the Rangers, completely shutting down any type of momentum <laughs> that the Rangers had after uh, they recorded a pair of victories at MSG. And there was the Calgary Flames seemingly comfortable in the early goings of their stay alive game versus the Edmonton Oilers, but fall 5-4 in overtime. Great controversy in this game, but <laughs> there's also the incredible performance by the Edmonton Oilers, who win four straight to oust their provincial rival. I think that is lost in a lot of the narrative around the Battle of Alberta, uh, McDavid uh, and Goodrow uh, going head-to-head, -head, the goaltenders, uh, certainly uh, the, the controversy with the goal that we'll get into uh, ruled that it was kicked in. But, but Edmonton won four in a row mm -hmm. after yeah, losing 9-6. Losing yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it should have been a, a completely deflating first game of the series for the Edmonton Oilers. But I hold stock in the idea that the fact that even though they were down big in that first game, the fact that they were able to complete a comeback and at least tie it in the third period 
planted a seed of doubt in the Calgary Flames that the Edmonton Oilers can score and they can score at will. I think it it shook the confidence of Jacob Markstrom. And the Edmonton Oilers were the better team throughout the majority of this series. I, I know they won in five. I know the Calgary Flames had leads in three of the five games and not just leads, but multi-goal leads. But the Edmonton Oilers scratched and clawed. The Edmonton Oilers were the faster team and they looked like the more hungry team. And I hate saying that, but they really looked like they wanted that series more than the Calgary Flames. It's the most lopsided series result that I can think of where I also point out that Calgary almost scored 10 goals in game number one, had a 2 nothing <laughs> lead in game number two, and were home and cooled and looked great, were really good in game four in the second and third, and had a 2 nothing lead and were a, a ruling away from having a, a one-goal advantage in the third period of Game 5. Like, you you factor in all that, you go, oh, Calgary's playing really well. They're just not getting the breaks. Mm-hmm. No, it, like yeah. Edmonton outplayed them. Yeah, they outplayed them the whole series long. And there's there's certainly a degree of truth to what Daryl Sutter had, had said prior to Game Number 5 about maybe the Edmonton Oilers are just playing better hockey. Maybe they're the better team right now in the Calgary Flames. They were in this series. Nothing seemed to phase the Edmonton Oilers. Being down 2 nothing, losing the first game of the series 9-6, to none of it mattered to them. They found ways all series long. Mike Smith bounced back from blunders to find ways to win. This team, their depth, if you want to call it that, with Ryan Nugent Hopkins stepping up into, into big-time plays and big-time roles, it was all there. And, and like the funny thing about the Edmonton Oilers, we're talking about Connor McDavid and how historic his first two rounds have been in these playoffs, and he has the exact same number of goals, the exact same number of assists, and the exact same number of points as Leon Dreisaitl, and Dreisaitl's doing it with a with a hampered uh, lower, lower body injury. So uh, th- that two-headed monster for the Edmonton Oilers, it was just better than the Calgary Flames. You don't think that Dreisaitl is performing better than McDavid, though? That's not what you're saying. No, no, no. I, okay. I, I, I don't. I just think that when you have two guys that are able to have points stick to them in that way, when you have Dreisaitl putting up a four-point night in an elimination game and Connor McDavid winning it, like it, it feels insurmountable for any team. When those two guys are capable of doing what they're doing, I, I don't know who's going to beat them if they're playing at this level. Yeah, where McDavid kind of separates himself uh, with the tie with Leon Dreisaitl, and the injury does have a factor, and it's really why uh, Jay Woodcroft has them together is because you can't expect Leon Dreisaitl right now, the way his health is, to drive a line. So you no. put him with McDavid, and you get uh, you get that sort of coattails uh, factor a little bit with an incredible player, and he can make plays, and it's it's a best-case scenario. So in a way, Woodcroft has benefited from being forced to put them together. But McDavid, so far in the playoffs, is a plus 19. <laughs> like that's staggering through through two rounds yeah. of the playoffs, through 12 yeah. games. And uh, by comparison, Dreisaitl's plus 7. Still really good, but it, it just it, – there's a separator there between the best player in – the world right now, and Leon Dreisaitl, who's who's hampered. Uh, another one that uh, that I want to point out is is just uh, power play, uh, and and where they're going with even strength goals. Uh, Connor McDavid has doubled the even strength goals of Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl's got a lot of points, yes, but but McDavid is, even though they're even, they're not even. McDavid's the driver. 
what the the point that I'm bringing up in 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 mentioning how good they've been and how dominant they've been is that you've got a hampered Leon Dreisaitl, yeah. and and make no mistake, part of the 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 reason that he's tied with Connor McDavid, part of the reason that that they're in that one-two punch, that class all their own, is because Connor McDavid has been the driver, and and I'm not not taking any of that away from Connor, but when you have a an 85 or 80 percent Leon Dreisaitl putting up 26 points in 12 games, yeah. like Scary. that has to be discouraging for any team that they're going to play against. That makes your power play, makes uh, everything uh, mm-hmm. click a, a little bit more. And uh, factor in the, the depth that Edmonton is getting some production. Like, uh, If you were going to talk depth at the start of the series, it was all Calgary. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. totally the team from southern Alberta as opposed to the one from the capital. Uh, but uh, the depth and the secondary scoring is probably a better way to put it because as I mentioned yesterday, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a first overall pick uh, in the National Hockey League. So the secondary scoring beyond uh, Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Kane was mm-hmm. significant in this upset of uh, of the Calgary Flames by the Edmonton Oilers as much as anything. And we should pause and respect what, what Edmonton has done, but also wonder, is this all happening because Vegas was beat up? like, Or are we seeing... A much closer gap between what we articulated at the start of the season between Vegas and everybody else, because there was a gap, and and I think you and I and Chapman and uh, a lot of us around Vegas uh, didn't didn't see it quite quite as 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 large. Like there was more respect given to uh, some other teams, but the national media. Like this was a, a lock stock, put it away and and uh, open up the time capsule in twenty years. Uh, Vegas wins by a hundred points uh, in the Pacific Division. Like it was a no brainer. The, uh, the Pacific goes to to Vegas. Now that you're seeing what happened with the Golden Knights this year, uh, is th- the easy thing to do is say the gap has shrunk between Calgary, Edmonton, maybe LA uh, coming, uh, or or do you think everything goes back to normal and Vegas is the favorite next year? So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at that, I, I suppose. It, it, to me... What's your gut the, reaction the, tell you? Uh, I, the gut reaction for me is that I, I still think that even though they missed the playoffs, and I know it's a ridiculous claim to say because they're not playing right now, even though they missed the playoffs, what from what I've seen out of Edmonton and in, in being pushed to the brink by L.A., what I saw out of the Calgary Flames getting absolutely manhandled by the Edmonton Oilers... It leads me to believe that if the Golden Knights were in the playoffs and if they were to stay in the Pacific Division bracket, um, they probably would be the team representing the Pacific Division in the conference final. I just think that there's enough there for the Golden Knights. There were enough tactics. There were enough players that they would have been able to beat Edmonton. They would have been able to beat Calgary based on what we saw out of the first two rounds. Um, you know, I, I think that the Flames are, are probably just a little bit too beat up and I wonder about and they were how healthy much they, all year, but that's how it goes, right? Like the you know the Golden Knights struggled with their health while they were trying to make the playoffs. Calgary Flames got through the regular season incredibly healthy, only to have players playing through some big time stuff against the best players in the world. Like that's sometimes that's just how it breaks down. Uh, but to me, I don't look at how the season ended for Calgary as a a big you know, signifier that the Flames are, are here to stay and that they're going to be a team that closes the gap on Vegas. I think I still think going into next year, the Golden Knights have to be one of the favorites to win this division. 
And I love this conversation and the timeliness of it because we've just gone through the battle for the best team in the Pacific Division this year, and the Edmonton Oilers have that banner. They are the team coming out of this side of the draw. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't think it should necessarily matter what happens from here on down. Edmonton loses the next round. Edmonton wins the next round. Edmonton wins the Stanley Cup. It doesn't really change how I perceive things within the Pacific Division uh, mm-hmm. because it's all head-to-head and not all head-to-head, but predominantly uh, head-to-head and you're battling uh, against yourself. I, I'm i with you. I still see Vegas as the most talented team. And, and what I didn't see that I thought I might, and there was there was little blips of it, but a super scrappy physical set. There is competitiveness, but mm-hmm. nothing got close to the to the back alley where you're running all over the place. And and that can change things uh, a mm-hmm. little bit. Like playoffs, uh, the style of play to the regular season. It's been drastically different in the past. There's more in, more intensity in the playoffs, but I didn't see that drastic difference. So I. I'm with you on this one. I like the way Vegas is positioned regardless of what happens going forward in response to the Pacific Division playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that there's you know context we can glean perhaps from the Edmonton Oilers going up against whether it be St. Louis or whether it be Colorado. Um, if Edmonton is able to make it a series, then I, I think you, you feel really good about where you're at going into next year for the Golden Knights. If the Edmonton Oilers get rolled, then you feel even better. Like right, I, I, Especially if it ends up being Cal, uh, Colorado because the Golden Knights know – that with the right blueprint, that is a team that they can beat in a playoff series. It's happened before. It can happen again. Uh, but to be honest, I, I don't know that I was blown away by anything that the Calgary Flames did. I am very curious, though, to see what happens in the next round for Edmonton. They were able to score at will against L.A. until they weren't, and then it they needed Connor McDavid to will them to victory two straight games against the L.A. Kings. And then... There was really nothing shutting down the Edmonton Oilers in round number two. They had free reign to go out there and score a bunch of goals, and score they did. I wonder what happens when they've got a team that's equally as talented offensively in, say, the Colorado Avalanche and a, or a team that will take a chunk out of them like the St. Louis Blues. How do they mitigate that? How do they get through that? That remains to be seen. But right now, I feel pretty good about where the Golden Knights are at in the context of the Pacific Division. Well, you got to like uh, Edmonton's chances just because they have the game's best and most dynamic player. Uh, I don't bet against Sid. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't like certainly close my eyes and or roll my eyes when you bring up Nathan McKinnon. I love both those guys, and and uh, they they are are incredible athletes. And yeah. you saw what Nathan McKinnon can do on his own. Uh, couple of nights ago we saw it firsthand mm-hmm. in the Tahoe game uh, against Vegas and Sid is is the golden boy uh, Sid but Connor McDavid has taken it to another level so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens but this is where Vegas uh, got the last two years is where Edmonton is now mm-hmm. I was probably and this does depend on who they play whether it's the Blues or the Avalanche but if you're going by the series lead and it's the it ends up being the Avalanche, I was more confident in Vegas getting to the Stanley Cup final, which they in the end didn't get to. Uh, more confident in 
what the Golden Knights could do than I am with what the Oilers will be able to do. And uh, we'll see how it, how it plays out. Now, the elephant in the room mm-hmm. is the goal that was called back last night, which would have given Calgary a 5-4 lead late in the third period. It was ruled a distinct kicking motion. Uh, Blake Coleman uh, scored the goal. It was uh, called back by, in conjunction with the officials and the situation room in Toronto. We should all come clean whether or not uh, you thought it was going to be a goal during the review process. Chapman, did you think it was going to be a goal when the play was under review? I did. I, I okay. didn't think it was It was the – I okay. mean, it looked like a goal to me. Okay. Wallace. I didn't think it was going to count. Really? Uh, I thought it was going to count uh, for for a couple of reasons. I, I didn't think that it was a forward kicking motion. It was by the mm-hmm. side. And then I thought there might be some – stock put into the fact that it sure looked like the puck was going to go in anyway. So yeah. did, uh, did did it really matter? Uh, there's great controversy around this goal. Now, it's not mm-hmm. why Calgary lost the series. They, they fell four games in a row. And you can look to a bunch of different areas. It hurts because it's the deciding game uh, puts them out. But I it's, mean, it's not the... It, it might be argue. a final nail in the coffin, but there's 42 other uh, staples uh, in the lid already. Uh, I mean, it, they, it's it's why they lost that game. Yeah, yeah, but and that's the elimination game. So like without they still that play, a, they would have they would have won. They would have lived to fight another day. They would not have lost four in a row. Like, but it's not the only reason that they lost the series, but it's certainly the reason why they were eliminated last night. They still had a chance to win in overtime, so that was uh, yeah. that was great. Yeah. I, I love that part. Uh, do you agree with the call then, Chap? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, I I just thought that that it was pretty similar to Chandler Stevenson's goal really early in the year. I thought where great comparison where Stevenson game one yeah was that that it was game one wasn't it against yeah. Seattle? Yes, it was where where. It didn't look like there was a kicking motion at all, but in this particular play, it, it, you're right. A, I thought it was going in, so I didn't think they would they would put much credence in in the quote unquote kicking motion. But yeah, I, I mean, I I didn't think they got it right. I, I thought Calgary got hosed. Hosed, Wallace. Why did you think that it was going to be called back? Um, frankly, because I didn't think it should be. Um, I I didn't think that it should be called back. I thought it was a good goal. I I look at that. Oh, that you play did from, think it was going to be called. So here's here's the thing. Anytime when it comes to to a ruling, anytime it comes to one of those plays that is is fifty fifty, and there are moments where you think you understand the rule and then you don't understand the rule. Like for full disclosure, when Chandler Stevenson scored in Game One to give the Golden Knights a win over the Seattle Kraken because a puck was angled off of his skate, redirected by his skate into the net, I thought that was going to be called back, and it wasn't. It was called a good goal. So in this context, I looked at it, and I said, that absolutely should stick. I don't think that was a kicking motion. They're probably going to call it back. Oh, that's so what ended up happening. You, you were saying, I'm always wrong, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I'm going to take the opposite. Yeah. Okay, now I yep. get it. Now I get yeah. it. That, that, makes, yeah. uh, that makes total sense. Now, there, there's a slight difference between last night's goal and Chandler Stevenson's goal. Just just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a more of a, uh, I guess you could say, a forward motion or a kicking motion. Not not a lot and certainly not 
as much as I thought it was going to be disallowed. And I reaffirm, I sat in that situation room on nights mm-hmm. during the regular season and watched how this process works. And and go, from the time before sitting in those uh, with the situation room people uh, for a few nights and then after, I, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I'm about 95% because I know – what the conversation is. I've heard the conversation and I know what they're looking for and, and how they're going to, to, to judge. It's a huge uh, advantage for me in watching games to know the path that they go down. And uh, last night, I admit, I got that one wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, does Calgary yeah, I, have a beef? Yeah. Yeah, I think they do. I I mean, I, I understand that there's nuance, and I understand that not every redirected goal that goes off of a, of a skate is the same, but I think that there are real arguments. When you see some of the goals that have been allowed off of a, quote, distinct kick, kicking motion or not being a distinct kicking motion, I think the Calgary Flames have a very real complaint here in this situation where – you know, I, Blake Coleman's falling down. He's going through the crease. Like, I, I get that it hits the inside of his of his foot. I get that he's clearly trying to make sure he gets contact to put the puck in the back of the net. But I don't see a distinct kicking motion there. I just don't. I don't think that it's the right call. And I do think that the Calgary Flames um, were, were, were screwed in this situation. I absolutely do. I was on with uh, Bob McCown and our friend John Shannon today on the Bob McCowan podcast. And uh, being a Canadian podcast, you can imagine that this was a major focus uh, of, <laughs> of the conversation that took place. And Bob brought up whether or not the National Hockey League should use this opportunity to react and adjust the rule on kicking or mm. pucks directed off a skate. Now, going back, and I don't know whether you guys were around the game when this happened, but there was a, like for the first 80 years of the of the National Hockey League, any puck that went off a skate, whether it bounced uh, in, intentionally or was kicked in or just happened to ricochet off a skate with the player not even looking, that didn't count. It was mm-hmm. ruled no goal. And the, the powers that be in the NHL, I thought, were fantastically... Uh, uh, open to say, okay, just because a puck goes off a skate, why, mm-hmm. why, and it's not intentional, why can't we count that? We're trying to score goals. We're trying to generate offense. So this is dead puck era, the the adjustment. Why, why can't we do that? So that happened. And then there was uh, even more of uh, a leniency granted to the kicking or directing of the puck. You can direct the puck in, but you can't use a forward motion or kicking the puck mm-hmm. in. And I thought that was another step towards uh, loosening things up, uh, getting more goals. Is it time to allow a kicking motion to score a goal in the NHL? I, I, don't, I don't feel good about that because the reason you're not the reason that you're trying to dissuade a kicking motion is the safety of goaltenders, right? Like the safety of players on the ice. Yeah. So I I don't know that I feel good about that. I, I don't know how you fix the situation I, 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 other than trying to black and white clearly define what a distinct kicking motion is or or how you can kind of pinpoint it to – this situation defines a clear, distinct kicking motion, whereas this one does not have those benchmarks that you live up to. But 
I, I don't know that I feel comfortable or, or, or good about the idea of allowing players with blades on their feet to kick or to kick at a puck around a goaltender. I just don't like that. You know, I'm going to take the other end of that. I, I think they should allow it. And I think just like we don't allow goals that are that are from a stick that's over a certain point, we could also legislate that as far as a skate blade off the and that's ice. That's a safety that's a safety part. Yeah. But I think look, we if if I'm in an, if I'm fighting for a puck in the corner, I could kick the puck to my teammate and he can score a goal. So Yeah, but I mean you don't have a goaltender reaching no, 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 his arms but, out to try to locate the puck. And I understand that, which is why I think you legislate how high a blade could come off the ice without you know, I mean we're, we're, I I don't think we're going to see guys trying to like soccer kick or or bicycle kick pucks in the net. But in a situation like mm-hmm. Coleman's last night, I mean his skate blade is either on the ice or extremely close to the ice. So I don't I don't see why that should be a a, a determinant or a deterrent and why that that shouldn't count? I think I kind of feel like, look, in that situation, he didn't do anything dangerous. It was just a, a situation where he happened to be in the spot where where the puck hit him in the blade, and maybe a slight kicking motion. But I mean, I I think it's it's look if if I can kick the puck to a teammate, then I don't think there's any reason why I shouldn't be able to kick a, a puck into the net. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. You can pass the puck with your foot, and uh, a lot of times we make uh, great uh, hype uh, highlights out of that. Like William Carlson, oh, he's Swedish, he's a soccer player. Look at those feet. Uh, we've all done it uh, during during the course of uh, our, our time following the Golden Knights. What do you think is more dangerous then, uh, potentially kicking the puck in or deflecting the puck with a high stick? Um. Pr- yeah, I mean, I, I I think that the blade does more damage. Like a, a, a skate blade to any part of a goalie that's uncovered or, or not. Or a crease scramble you get yeah, into, around a player. Yeah. yeah it, it can just go incredibly bad incredibly quickly. So that, to me, is the more dangerous scenario. Yeah. I, I, because I, that's why high sticking is not allowed. Like when you direct a puck with a high stick, it's over safety of the of the, the players whacking each other with sticks in the in the head. Or the face, or yeah. the eyes. Like this goes yeah. back to before players wore helmets. That's why that that rule exists. It, it's really a non-factor now with everybody wearing visors and and helmets. Uh, I could see that rule being relaxed. And actually, I never thought of it until our conversation now. So it's an organic thought. I wish they would take that out. The the high sticking the puck rule, like over the yeah. over the over the net. And like, why why not put it in or over the shoulders? If you can if you can uh, wave at a stick uh, and a puck, <laughs> knock it down. Sure, why not? But but the skate the skate does have some kind of uh, hesitation factor to it about uh, goal mouth scrambles. And if you if you try, so it take a couple of years before guys got really used to it and it became instinctual. But if you try to kick the puck in. And you lift your skate, and you end up stepping on somebody's finger or wrist or or yeah. arm, and it goes through the sweater. And and, and I worry as much about the players, skaters being down in that scenario uh, than than I do the goaltenders. I just I have a hard time with it. Uh, and the as as controversial as last night was, I think probably the better choice is to leave it the way it is. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with you 100%. I, I, listen, there's always going to be gray area in these calls. There's always going to be, you know, calls that you think shouldn't up, shouldn't be upheld and, and, and they're upheld or whatever the case may be. Um, but I, I don't feel comfortable at all introducing a, a situation where players can willingly kick at pucks in those types of scrambles because it's only a matter of time before somebody gets seriously hurt, and I, I just don't have any stomach for that in the game. And I don't know how often guys would get hurt. I really don't. I think it, it we probably picture it in our minds more than players would actually get hurt, but just the, the risk factor. You're and, opening and, it up, though. Right? I know, yeah. yeah like it's, you're open, it's you're, you... But I don't know how many injuries would would actually occur because of that and and maybe you have to improve the cut proof uh, uh socks or wristbands and etc but there, there's certain things you, mm. you can you can do but uh it's it's a really the chapman idea of of having uh, a limit on how far you can lift your skate off the ice uh, i don't think that makes uh any any difference uh, to it in fact uh guys just keep their skates on the ice anyway and 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 kick it but um all for a great conversation, but status quo on that. The high sticking, get that, get rid of that, and allow all those high sticks. Get rid of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, how many more goals would Joe Pavelski have in his career? If totally he was able to do that, huh? Exactly. And it's really like, uh, and, and goaltenders, uh, it, it a higher shot forces you to adjust so much that if you can tip that mm-hmm. down, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Now forwards, I'll I'll tell you right now. Forwards would be, if they had their choice, a secret ballot. Forwards would mm-hmm. be totally against that, uh, <laughs> taking that rule out because they don't want to. They, really? They're already ducking for cover when defensemen <laughs> let loose and they they rip a high one. They're all, but if if you yeah. open it up, so defensemen can can send a six foot shot, a seven foot shot through to the net. Like there's. Boy, oh boy, you're taking pucks all over the place. Shoulders, heads, arm, face, uh, and stuff like that. But uh, I, I think you could, you you could probably work that one in if uh, if we're talking. But uh, what a great conversation! That was fun. Yeah. And Calgary moves on to the summer, and Edmonton advances to the <laughs> final four. Like wow! Yeah. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember last year we had uh, Vegas, we had the Islanders, we had Montreal, uh, and Tampa Bay. In the final four. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. we all, we were all in agreement. Like, Montreal, this is, they're not getting back. We, mm-hmm. that was unanimous. But Vegas, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we were very confident. Tampa Bay, sure. Yep. Islanders, no reason. Mm-hmm. Well, two of those four didn't make the playoffs. And two of those four ended up going through coaching changes. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, when we get the final four, if there's any unanimous choices with they've overachieved, they're not getting back, or any that you can say, no, uh, I think that they'll they'll all get back. Like, basically, we did last year three of the four. The, the only one that stands clearly in my mind as a team that might be overachieving and might have issues come next season would be the New York Rangers. Hmm. Should they get to the final four? I don't know that that's repeatable. I have three teams right now. Carolina, three, Rangers, really? and Blues. Hmm. And if any of those teams get well, 
one is going to, Carolina or the Rangers. Uh, but if uh, if two of those three uh, advance, then boy, oh boy, uh, I'll, I'll have to take a long, hard look at whether or not I see the Blues going back to a Final Four. Uh, and whether or not the New York Rangers can repeat that, or the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, well, see, Darren, no, I, Darren, listen, Darren, listen. Here's the thing: if the Blues get to a Final Four, that means that Colorado once again couldn't get out of the second round. Yeah. So I, I think the Blues have a has, have as good a chance as anybody because Colorado will prove that they just simply cannot get it done. Yeah, and they might uh, blow but that the Rangers. Thing up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think the Rangers are are a, a Final Four team next year. See, uh, but I I look at the I look at their division and I say, well, Carolina and the Rangers should be the two best teams in that division next year. So I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility for one of them to make another run back because just by virtue of the fact that their division is going to get weaker, Pittsburgh and Washington are probably both taking step back. I mean, they they they're the class of 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 the Metro division. So I I kind of feel like. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Either one of them would make a run back to the, well, four, the final Islanders, four. Islanders should be the better. Islanders. Uh, and and I'm not betting against Sid, so I'm on the record with that. And uh, Wallace is is a co-signer with me on that now. So we're not we're buying. Yeah, I can't. We're buying that house together now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then you've got Ovi doing his thing. So I'm just just saying. All right. Uh, the Avs look to close out the Blues tonight after blowing a three goal lead in Game Five. Are they vulnerable? Or was it just a blip? It's the VGK Insider Show. We'll go down that path in the Central Division on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. You know how long into my life I was before I figured out what they were saying? Before... 45 uh, years. I still have no idea. Yeah. It yeah. tracks. <laughs> it's, uh, it's awesome. I uh, want to tell you that the, the Team USA plays Finland tomorrow in the semifinal of the World Hockey Championship, and then it's Canada with that Golden Knight uh, contingent uh, facing the Czech Republic in semifinal number two, and then the final will be played on Sunday, a potential all-North American championship uh, going on. Uh, that's what uh, exists in Finland, uh, and we are getting ready for Colorado against St. Louis in the Western Conference and the Central Division Final Series tonight. The winner advances to face the Edmonton Oilers. Colorado can close out St. Louis. They get a second opportunity. Is tonight any different because of what happened in the comeback for St. Louis the other night, both overall coming back from 3 nothing series deficit and then the late going, uh, erasing a one-goal deficit, and good old Tyler Bozak winning it for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, I, I'd like to believe that the Colorado Avalanche can shake that one off. I'd like to believe that this is a team that is mentally strong, that they're going to be able to go into St. Louis and beat the doors off of the Blues. I, I, I'd like to believe that. However, this is the second round. This is a team that has proven at times when they get punched in the mouth, they wilt. Now, I don't feel like it's the same Colorado Avalanche team. I look at the game that Nathan McKinnon had. That should have been enough, and it wasn't. I feel like they're saying all the right things. I feel like Colorado has to get it tonight. And I'm not sitting here and saying that I felt the same way or I feel the same way about Colorado 
going into this game that I felt for Toronto going into game six against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I do think the best chance for the Colorado Avalanche to win this series is to win it in six. Because if it, if it gets to a seven game, I, seventh game, I don't have any confidence in the Avalanche to figure it out. So we all felt like Toronto's best chance was winning game six on the road against Tampa. Yeah. In, in that first yeah. Like it, yeah. You, me, Chapman, Chapman's uh, doggy, like everybody thought they, that Toronto had to win that in game six or risk some kind of disaster in game seven. Now, the disaster never came, but they still lost because of mm-hmm. uh, Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, I don't think this uh, the same way here. I, I'm still confident in Colorado being able to get this done. But given some of the strong comments which they brought out the other night when Colorado was looking pretty, uh, to to finally get to the to the third round, uh, Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, uh, there was some some really pointed uh, statements after the loss to Vegas last year in the second round, and it, I don't think that goes away, and and I think in a game seven, those kinds of feelings. So if they were willing to say it last year after the brutal disappointment then you know that that lingers. That's in their mind. That's, that's my only question mark. I, uh, for all the, the, the gold in Chapman's trunk right now, I still believe Colorado is a, is a much better team than the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. And Billy Huso, just like uh, wondering whether Antti Ranta, the slipper will finally come off, uh, uh-huh. I'm wondering whether Billy Huso can put that slipper on for one or two games. Because <laughs> yes, we, yes. really, we haven't really um, seen it. Can he borrow Andy Ranta's slipper for a couple of games? Well, if he could borrow it for the next couple of days, that would be great because we'd get a couple of game sevens out of the second round. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, even in the victory, even in the win, Billy Huso was not e- extraordinary. He wasn't great in, in that uh, game five win for the St. Louis Blues. So I, I, I don't, I don't know, like, do I feel like Billy Huso is capable of, of having a, a big game tonight and single-handedly forcing Game 7? I think it's there. Do I think Darcy Kemper has to be better for Colorado? Sure. I, I think that's kind of the bigger question for me. Like, if you're the Blues, I think you walk into this game assuming that Billy Huso is giving up three. So whatever you do, however you've got to configure it, you've got to find four goals against the Colorado Avalanche. And the fact that Darcy Kemper looked shaky for the first time really in that series – to me, I, I think that's kind of the bigger story and goal than, than as opposed to Billy Huso. The Blues haven't been getting great goaltending. The the Avalanche have been getting fine goaltending, but it was subpar in Game Five in the biggest moment of their series and they, of their season, and they're going to need it to be better. And that concerns me a little bit. Do you think the Avalanche were more confident in Philip Grubauer last year <sighs> or Darcy Kemper this year? Because Grubauer left. He he thought he mm-hmm. was valued at at a higher price and, and got his big paycheck from Seattle. That wasn't a Colorado decision. I guess it was near the end when the when the price got too steep for them. But from a pure athletic standpoint, I'm not talking to opposition. I'm not factoring in home road or anything. But I'm purely they look down and they see the guy in the net. More confident in Grubauer last year or Kemper right now. I. 
I want to say that they were probably more confident in Grubauer last year. And the only reason that I say that is we're only talking about one season with Darcy Kemper. Like I, I think you have to go through the trenches for a year or two or two or three before you get that full confidence from everybody. Now, Darcy Kemper has been able to steal games when he's played for lesser teams. He has stolen games in the playoffs. Think about what he was able to do with Arizona. But I I don't think that the confidence level for anybody right now with Colorado is particularly high because I think losing the way that they did in game five really hits them where it hurts. Where does it hurt? In their inability to close out a series in, in in the second round, Darren, like the fact that they just simply cannot put it away. It's the same thing with, with Toronto, in a sense, with the first round, in that there are opportunities there. There are moments where this team can get over the hump, and then they get punched in the mouth, and they just don't know how to respond to it. Why are you punching so many people in the mouth? Chapman, have you noticed that? I'm not punching. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like he's St. Punch, he, Louis Blues punched, punched him in the mouth. mouth. All full of anger. Yeah. He's well, very violent. I mean, it, <laughs> well, okay, I'm sorry. They took away their supper, and they're not slaying the dragon. Yes, that there, we, much, there yeah. we go. Now nobody's, you're talking in Darrenisms. Yeah, nobody's getting beat up over this thing. Hey, you know what I saw last night? Uh, just uh, I'll Confidences. Save I'll, I'll save it for the next, uh, next block. But I'm, I witnessed something. That we've all seen in hockey, but I've never been in the rink to see it firsthand. And this is a National Hockey League highlight that I saw in a men's league game in Vegas. And it's really cool. And I can't wait to tell you about it because I was giddy when I when I witnessed this going, wow. Like that I've I've in person? No, never happened before. That and the uh, play of the day is all coming up on the VGK Insider Show in Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. The Edmonton Oilers are back into the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 2006. This time on the heels and riding the coattails of the best player in the world, Connor McDavid. McDavid created a turnover for Drysaddle inside. McDavid, a shot scores! Connor McDavid has won the Battle of Alberta for Edmonton! 5 4 in overtime! Leon Drysaddle with a great reverse pivot off the half boards, and McDavid hopped into the seam. And he beats Jacob Markstrom. And the Edmonton Oilers improved to 5-1 and one all time in the Battle of Alberta. It wasn't a typical uh, like highlight reel, end-to-end type goal for Connor McDavid, what you think mm-hmm. about him. He actually forced the play on the fork che- forecheck and then took a shot between the hash marks and uh, beat Jacob Markstrom. But uh, I love that it was Connor McDavid who did the deal and sealed it uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, it was his. It was his only point of the game, and and like it, that in and of itself has to be frustrating for Calgary, right? Like, you, you hold Connor McDavid off the score sheet in regulation. You are are so close to finding a way to keep your season alive, and yet Connor's the one on the forecheck pressuring the puck, forcing the turnover, and then he's the guy that ices the game. Um, to me, the emotion from Connor McDavid after scoring that goal, like that was the that was the coolest part of the night for me, because I I live 
for that type of stuff. I live to see the emotion oozing out of a player after a big moment. It was really cool to see how excited Connor McDavid was to be the guy that ended that series. I've never seen that side of Connor before. To that extent. Yeah. Meaning seen him happy before. Yeah. Seen him really uh, celebrate goals uh, before. But not an ongoing uh, extended version of Connor McDavid uh, showing off the emotion and being into uh, a third round for the first time. This this is great theater for Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. And if Colorado doesn't get there, I think the hockey world's going to feel a little ripped off. Like right now, Colorado uh, is kind of owes the hockey world uh, a, a win to put McKinnon and McDavid head to head. Yeah, don't screw it up, Colorado. That's that's exactly it, uh, because <laughs> I, I, and, and and that that's a series that I'm worried about, like uh, vertigo or or neck injury or uh, mm-hmm. your head going mm-hmm. back and forth, uh, because. Watching those two, if you're in the rink, watching those two go end to end, that that's got some strain on the brain. Yeah, it it will be the single most exciting series that we could think of in recent memory. If you've got Nathan McKinnon at the height of his power with Kale McCarr and and Miko Rantanen and Gabe Landeskog, and then you throw in Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, even at eighty five percent. Zach Hyman and and the secondary scoring of the Edmonton Oilers like you have the opportunity to have a series that is every bit as good as the Battle of Alberta and then even a little bit better so once again I say really I implore don't screw it up Colorado we never got Wayne against Mario never Mm -hmm. we got Mm -hmm. Ovi against Sid which is great yeah but this one this is pretty cool uh, between uh, Sid's little buddy, who's actually bigger than him, mm-hmm. and Nathan McKinnon, and mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> the great Connor McDavid. Hey, you know what I saw last night uh, over at City National Arena? I was there uh, uh, later last night. Uh, there was a, a, a high-level uh, rec league game going on uh, in the top division, mm-hmm. and somebody went behind yep. the net, and they pulled a reverse oh. Michigan. I've never seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, like it's yeah. cool to watch them do in the pros, uh, but it didn't mean anything less to watch it. It may have been a little bit more to watch somebody that you and I uh, are with. And this this guy is he's a really good player. He's he plays at NCAA sure. Division One College. But to be able to see it hmm. firsthand, like be in the rink and and watch it from uh, behind the glass, that was cool. I don't know how they did it. I asked the the guy after. I said, "When did you decide to do it?" And he said, "About halfway behind the net, just just." Like on a whim, <laughs> uh, and did it, and uh, it was it was neat. So one of those those cool things that you'll be able to see, and I think we're going to see so much more of it now uh, because he's on he's on the, on the younger side. He's grown up with a lot of these trick shots and these different uh, abilities uh, to be able to do that specialties, and he just decided to, to try it out. So it was awesome. Yeah, I, I think that you're you're right on the money in that we're going to see more of that type of stuff in the NHL because you, you look at the influx of young talent, you look at you know the, the NHL that they grew up watching without clutching, without grabbing, with more room out there for superstars to be superstars. I, I, I love the direction of where the game is going, and the more skilled plays we have in the game, the better. See, if you're allowing Michigan goals, then you should be able to allow goals that are deflected above the crossbar. Like Michigan, so I'm, the stick right, right I'm there, around there, like that's as dangerous as anything. Yeah. We allow that. 
And we love it. We celebrate it. Cool. Let's go. Yeah. So let's 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 allow players to deflect the puck from wherever they want to. And let's allow Michigan goals, and let's not push back so hard when they happen. You got it. Uh, I wish you guys a happy Memorial Day. Hour number two, the VGK Insider Show is coming up. Uh, we've got news and notes uh, from around the National Hockey League and one-timers and catching up with Chapman should be a beauty going into the long weekend in May on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us. Hour number two is next.